Welcome to the Follow the Leaders podcast, where we get a glimpse into the minds and lives of exceptional leaders and hear about their experiences, insights, and strategies for success. On today's episode, we'll hear from one heart-centered, effective leader and hear about their wisdom and perspective. So get ready to follow along. Welcome back to the podcast. Today's guest has a unique combination of leadership experiences, and I am so looking forward to this conversation. Today, I'm joined by Kate Bast. Kate is a certified guide with Association of Nature and Forest Therapy Guides and Programs and is the owner of Shinden Yoku Madison, where she guides immersive forest bathing walks and retreats, and she speaks locally, nationally, and internationally on many topics related to the health and well-being benefits of time in nature. Prior to her work leading guided walks, retreats, and other nature-based experiences, Kate served as editorial director and editor-in-chief for Bravo Magazine, now called Nye Turner Media Group, Inc., and she was editor at Wisconsin Trails Magazine. In 2018, she chose to step away from a 25-year publishing career and changed direction to start her forest bathing company. Kate has also served as Whole Health Project Editor at UW Department of Family Medicine and Community Health for a Veterans Health Administration National Project and she currently consults in strategic and marketing communications in the publication, business, higher education, and health and wellness realms. Thank you so much for coming on the show today, Kate. I am really intrigued to talk to you about your work and your experiences. Wonderful, Jamie. I'm so glad to be here catching up with you. It's been a long time coming, at least on my end, because I have so many people in my professional and personal life who have worked with and looked up to you and respected your work. And so I've just sort of by osmosis gotten to hear how amazing you are. So I'm excited to talk. Oh my goodness, all of this. Wow, thank you. Well, I'm excited to talk with you. And I I think that the work you're doing is very cool and very needed. Well, thank you. Um, Sharing women's stories. Yeah. So I am eager to hear about your past leadership experiences in a bit, but I'd love to start with your current work. Can you give listeners a peek into what your work life holds these days? These days, I am running my own business. It's called Shinden Yoku Madison. And essentially, when I left my publishing career, I decided to get trained and certified in Shinden Yoku to become a certified nature and forest therapy guide. And essentially, I I had heard about it from my publisher, Michelle Coleman, back in the day at Brava. And she said, hey, I just read this in the Washington Post. Does anybody do this? And I read it and I said, hey, I do this. (laughs) And it was about Shinden Yoku. And I was realizing I was going to my happy place, which was the big giant dog park in Verona. And I was going there more and more often for longer and longer stretches of time, including on the weekend. Sometimes I'd be there for three hours and my husband would call and say, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm sitting under this oak tree listening to the leaves. And he's like, okay, how much longer is that going to take? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know until I feel like I'm ready to leave. Who knows when that's going to be? And and I, I noticed in myself the effects that nature was having on me for tending my stress and, and anxieties around my work. So when I first read this article that Michelle had forwarded to me, I immediately emailed my husband and one of my closest friends and said, hey, in my next life, I'm going to be a forest bathing guide. And they said, yep, okay, great. Good luck. Sounds a little odd, but good luck. And a year later, I started my next life and left my publishing career and got certified and then went through the intense practicum for about six months and training and then launched my business in April 2019. Wow. And it's it's been wonderful. It was, I figured in part, 
I needed to practice what I preached at Brava, which was encouraging women to take chances, to go for it, to not wait around for something to happen, to take action. And it was a chance to also satisfy and, and bring to the fore my kind of helper healer instinct. I've always been fascinated with medicine and caring for people. And this was a way for me to do that without going back to nursing school in my late 40s, early 50s, and just start practicing something immediately. So essentially, the, the term for Shinden Yoku in Japanese loosely means forest bathing. If you think of it like sunbathing, it's easy to understand, you know, when you go to the beach and you first get settled on your towel or your chair, and then the sun just starts soaking into you and washes over you, and you're just like, ah. Oh. That's what we're doing in the woods. Uh, and it's essentially just immersing ourselves in the atmosphere of nature. We're opening and activating all of our senses and finding some stillness and just beingness. We're going slowly and silently. And what I do is I offer prompts. All guides trained in, in my group have a certain pattern that they follow and a certain language that they use. And we use this to offer prompts, which are sense activation prompts and then just ways to connect with nature in the moment. And the reason we work through the senses, there are way more than five. When you think of things like sense of remembering, sense of playfulness, sense of love and warmth, you are in the present moment because our senses exist only in the present moment. So it serves to quiet the rational part of our mind that is always planning and thinking and doing and organizing and also worrying mm -hmm. and ruminating. And that just kind of spins off into the woods somewhere. And when we drop into our senses, we ensure that we're right there in the moment and we're noticing other things. We're not noticing this anymore. And I love it because it's a perfect cross between data and evidence for those who need it, but also just, you know, how do you feel, Jamie, when you go to the woods? Right. So, so amazing. Yeah. I live right by Con Conservancy, so I'm in there all the time. <gasps> yeah. So nature just simply makes us feel good. And there are a lot of reasons for that. Blue and green are the most comforting colors. Wind in the trees, birdsong, Water are the most comforting sounds and relaxing sounds. And, mm. you know, looking at patterns, even just for five minutes, patterns on leaves, on barks, watching the clouds go by, or the irregular pattern of the wind in the trees. Our brain likes patterns. And so that's very calming to us and our nervous system. Deeply looking at them and then noticing where you feel it in your body. Wow. Five minutes of that decreases your stress by 60%. Wow. Mm -hmm. We all have stress in our lives. We all have anxiety. And it's a quick and easy way to drop into the moment. Um, and I found that easier than, say, mm -hmm. meditation. I just really struggled <laughs> with it. I'm like, oh, the whole rest of the world is doing this. Why can't I, why can't yeah. I just chill? But I find that when I go to nature, I can do that in nature or I can meditate after and it's much more powerful and easy to drop into my meditation practice. And I guess you could say forest bathing is sort of the felt sense of the experience where we're lingering with what we're feeling and noticing and just being aware of what it brings to us or reflects back to us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes for people, it's just laying on their backs, looking up through the trees at the sky and saying, geez, I never... I never take the time or half the time, so I think, right. to notice just how blue the sky is and how cool those clouds are moving through it. And it just makes me feel so calm. So there is a lot 
a lot that comes up in many, many ways when you go out and practice this way in the woods. That's so beautiful. And actually... I'm remembering now who one of our close connections is, and it's Anne Immig. Anne has posted about working with you and your experiences, and I just, they sound so, like, delicious isn't the right word, but but that's like the sense. No, that's a good word, yeah. That, you know, when when I was reading about your work that she had posted, and it just sounds really beautiful and, and delicious, like very indulgent, but in a very simple way. And I really appreciated that, especially, you know, our audience for this show is a lot of busy people. It's a lot of people that are leading companies, leading organizations. And I love that you said, that it can be just a simple moment of pausing long enough to do that because yeah. sometimes that is all we have, but really the nudge to take more time to do this. So when you're leading this company and you're leading the groups, if you were to look at like a work week, what does that look like for you? Yeah, well, I do a variety of walks. I do some public walks. I do a lot of private walks for individuals or private groups or employee wellness programs. Mm -hmm. And it's just a matter of reaching out to me. I mean, you can sign up on my website, which is shindinyoku.com. And shindinyoku, shindinyoku is spelled with an R, but pronounced with a D in the Japanese language. And so you can just reach out to me and say, hey, I'd love to learn more. I'd love to schedule a walk for myself or my work group or whatever it is. And then we find a time and a place that suits what you need and what you're looking for. My group walks are posted on my website. So you can just go ahead and sign up for those. I'll be adding some more for the end of this month. And that's the best way to follow me on Facebook. I post on both my personal site and my forest bathing site. And you can also find me other places as well. I do with my friend Vince Aiello, who is a forager. We do walks with the Natural Resources Foundation. And those end up be really cool. Forest bathing first to pique your senses and, and noticing. And once you begin to notice, you notice more and more as poet laureate of my organization, Mary Oliver wrote. And that's just really cool. People come from all around the state to go on these walks or field trips as the Natural Resources Foundation Mm -hmm. calls them. You just need to sign up and become a friend of WISC Conservation to be able to have access um, to those. I'm also always collaborating with people. My friend Jen Farley is a life coach and we were doing Mm -hmm. some True Nature, True Self retreats a series of retreats and I collaborate with other guides or people who offer yoga or something else that seems like it will help get us very deeply or into this, this place of beingness, or as we all call it, dropping in. I am with my dear friend, Michelle Coleman, who was publisher of Bravo when I initially began there. We are going to be working on some grief walks and some programming that helps people tend their grief, whether it's the loss of a loved one or a dear one or other griefs. You know, when we leave our careers, there's sometimes some grief. And I experience that like, oh my gosh, who am I and what am I doing right now? And there's a little sense of loss and being lost. It could be losing a job. It could be all kinds of things. The beautiful thing of what nature does for us is it does help tend our anxieties, our mood disorders, and grief, which comes up a lot on the walks. And Mm -hmm. it's, you know, I just open the door for things to bubble up. And I notice grief is one of those things that comes up for people once you create space. 
but also so does a, a deep sense of joy and relaxation and wonder and awe. So anyhow, stay tuned. We are going to be working on that programming together. She's doing some grief yoga training mm. and we're both doing some grief certifications. So we're hoping to do retreats and other, you know, walks, half day kind of things yeah. to let people drop in, in the year ahead. That's really important work. And it's almost as though you're like stripping away the hustle and bustle of everyday life to honor the space and the process that people going through grief are experiencing. And so that's really beautiful. And when you have that open, let me know and I'll reshare the link to that. So if people hear this episode and, and it comes out later, I'll definitely help get the word out and we'll link everything in the show notes about how to reach you and your website and everything like that. So speaking of Michelle and your transition. I know you mentioned like that you experienced a lot of things. If we zoom out, could you fill us in on what your past work in publishing leadership looked like before that transition? Yeah, absolutely. I was a literature major in college and saw this internship in Chicago on a magazine. And so I applied for that, spent the summer in Chicago, and then I had the magazine bug after that. I thought I would be a literature professor, but the magazines just captivated me. So I've worked at several magazines around the state. Some of them were local, like Milwaukee Magazine and, and Brava Magazine, which was celebrating women in our area. I worked on an international sailing magazine, as in sailboats, not oh. sailing that you drop in your eye. <laughs> okay. And people say, like, how do you do a whole magazine? On that? <laughs> um, yeah, I was editor-in-chief at Wisconsin Trails Magazine, which just really spoke to my heart with the content, you know, natural history, culture, the folkways and trails in mm. Wisconsin. And then, you know, Bravo Magazine as well. And when you climb the ladder as an editor, you start at the bottom, you know, assistant editor, associate, senior managing editor, which I came to that role when I moved to Madison to work for Wisconsin Trails. And I was 26 and it was so fun. And it would be interesting to be at our, our international magazine conferences. And, and people would tell the owners, like, she's so young. And I didn't really think anything of it. But then I look around and all the other managers are more storied than I was. But <laughs> I like um, then I realized, yeah, then I realized, like, okay, I do like being in this, like contracting with contributors, sometimes writing cease and desist letters, planning the editorial content, working with staff, editing their work, putting the polish on the magazine, approving things, working with the printer. That was all a lot of fun. And then I just grew in my roles, became editor at Wisconsin Trails and continued that work. I had wrote some things for books that we published, mm -hmm. introductions, and just expanded those skills. And every person you work with brings you something different. And I always look at everything as a learning opportunity, whether it's a positive interaction or, <laughs> you know, sometimes a little difficult and, and things can be when your, your name is on something and you're putting words out on print, yeah. you know, you, you should be concerned and yeah. attentive to making sense and making meaning. And then I, I launched two publications for Trails Media Group, 
which was Barking Sands Media. Howard and Nancy Mead owned Wisconsin Trails for like 40 years. And then Scott Klug bought it and um, it was under Barking Sands Media and he grew the company and that involved launching other publications. So I launched something that was a Lake Michigan Circle Guide. So everything you could see and do around the lake. And that was an annual publication. Yeah. But then my, my other little gem that I just really loved was called Milwaukee Home and Garden. And we launched that from the bottom. I came up with the concepts. I call it the skeleton, the structure of the publication. And the publisher and I just hit the ground running, met with people in Milwaukee and built that from the bottom up. And it actually won a gold award for editorial content at the the Folio Magazine Awards, which is magazine editors would know about this and designers, <laughs> the general public, I don't know, but it won a gold there and a silver for design. Uh, Milwaukee was just really rich with history. So we did a lot of content on the architectural history of the city and some of the gems that still existed. I love that because it's about sense of place and sense of character. And that's what every magazine I work with has had that as part of it. And even like a mission to educate Mm -hmm. people, to support people, to toot their horns. Even if people are a little shy about it, we want to celebrate people and send it up to the rooftop. That's kind of just who I am and how I am, but also it's just kind of uncanny how my role as editor also became about that, about educating people about like, hey, look at what we have here. You may not know about it, but you should. The magazine industry is so fascinating. I mean, there's like whole movies made about it. It's so intriguing. And so I I love this little peek into it. That's very cool. You wouldn't necessarily think of an editor as empowering all the time because there is so much pressure to have this sort of perfect final product Mm -hmm. come out. But I love to hear that you did that. And like, what a cool thread that your focus was on these Obviously, there was Brava, but also these nature-based mm-hmm. magazines. And what a yeah. perfect transition to I your know. next life, quote-unquote, that you <laughs> you made happen very quickly. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. That's really, really cool. It was funny when I was getting started in forest bathing, I'm looking back, I'm like, oh my gosh, I've always been close to nature, whether it was out on the water sailing a boat yeah. or in the woods. My, my parents said like, even when you were younger, you would write these things about being in nature oh. and discovering what's around the bend oh. and whatever. And I was like, wow. That's really cool. And it's also interesting that you're doing this for the forest bathing work but as a business. And so it's interesting how, you know, the nature mm-hmm. world was in very involved in your publishing, which you would think of as much more of like a corporate high pressure environment. But then you have taken, I would imagine, mm-hmm. the skills and organization and leadership management experience and use that to like now focus on nature, but you're doing it as a business, which is its own whole thing. And so it's really kind of a cool parallel there. Very, very cool. It is. Yeah. I'm really grateful for all the skills and experiences and and people I met. I mean, I've met so many incredible people in my work as an editor and really amazing staff members. So there's, yeah, there's so much that came my way and it's great to be able to infuse that into my own business. And then when I consult too with other people, helping them strategize and put their packages and their messaging together, it's, you know, it's nice to have almost 30 years of experience in that realm to be able to truly advise people in a well-rounded way. 
and and nature is just the bonus. I love it. So that's a perfect segue to my next question. So both types of work, you know, leading and guiding individuals and groups through these restorative and healing events in nature, and also leading your teams and projects with these strict deadlines, they're both so interesting. You sort of touched on this, but I'm wondering what are the crossover skills that you need as a leader between these two, or do they really feel very like different chapters? No, I think there are plenty of similarities. I think one of the main things with each of them is tapping into your intuition. I did a lot of logicking in my magazine role, right? Because we had to think about sales and would readers like this, but also would this appeal to advertisers? Do they want to be part of this and support what we're doing? And forest bathing, the sense of intuition is something that we tap into and help people understand that they can trust their gut and how to do that. And that should be part of a decision-making, maybe not for businesses like engineering and dollars and cents kinds of things, because you have hard and fast data there, but it's, it helps support creativity. I mean, um, your creativity increases, I think it's like 20% or, or 40% after two days surrounded mm-hmm. by nature. So it, it's creating space for those things. I love the questions of mm-hmm. what if, So curiosity is definitely part of both realms, the magazine world and the nature world. I call myself an around the bender, which means like I'm always curious about what's around the bend. What if if we just go a little farther or what if we just do this or what is this going to, what else could it lead to? What can we build from this? You know, how can we make more impact with what we're doing and help people more. So that is definitely part of it. You have to be curious. And I always like to say like ideas are everywhere and being able to notice that whether it's in the woods and something's happening in nature and I build a prompt around that for my guests or whether that's talking to someone or just being open to what people have to say. When I was in college, I used to go to the library to write my papers. And then three hours later, I'm still sitting in the regional dialect (laughs) dictionaries reading those. And they have absolutely nothing to do with what I have to write about. But, you know, just just being, being curious and deeply caring about things. I mean, that helps people tell you their story. It helps you notice it helps like I, everything I do, whether it's writing, editing, or being in the woods, there's mm-hmm. a sense of earnestness that comes with it for me where you feel it build and grow and then expand. You always want to offer people the chance at something bigger and some ways to follow up. And in both my work, there was a certain feeling. I knew that my own articles or the articles I was writing or editing someone else's, at, you just knew when they... Mm-hmm arrived. I mean, for me, it's a certain feeling, it's the pace, the ability to go beyond the idea to understand the bigger picture. And that is what I think I love so much about forest bathing is that tapping into that sense and just that knowingness of this is it, Mm -hmm. this is right. And, you know, it takes organization. That is, of course, a huge Mm -hmm. demand, (laughs) you know, working with schedules, all of that. Hey listeners, I want to quickly tell you about a way you could be saving money on your everyday purchases. I've been using Rakuten for a couple of years now and with zero effort, I've been able to get literally hundreds of dollars back in my bank account. Right now, they're offering a deal that you don't want to miss. If you sign up using the link in our show notes and use the extension at least one time before November 16th, that's coming right up, they will send you a check for $40. That's right, $40 back in your pocket. 
the website extension automatically credits your account when you shop with one of its partners. You get additional discounts as you shop and you get cash back. It sounds too good to be true, but I can personally vouch for how easy it is. Rakuten partners with thousands of your favorite stores so you can be saving money on whatever you're browsing. Click the link in our show notes and start saving money with Rakuten today. So, so much of leadership is taking ideas that like work one way in our heads and mixing that with the many personalities and tendencies and habits and priorities of the humans that we're working with, which may or may not match with our prior planning. And so I'm curious how you navigate that, which like cannot be anticipated or controlled because you are working with humans with the fact that you have made a promise to deliver a certain experience and how do you, as the leader of the group and the event, the moment, how do you navigate that? Yeah. Well, flexibility is another thing I've certainly learned in my work. I don't know what nature's going to toss at me in the woods or gardens or prairies. So it's being able to be flexible. It is about realizing that ideas and good ideas come from everyone and everywhere and that everyone has something valid and important to share or a different perspective that is worth considering and following. So it's that sense of openness that helps transform ideas in the woods. Whatever you find is what you find. That's between you and nature. And nature doesn't judge. I'm not going to judge. That That's not what it's all about. It's It's about finding what's coming up for you. I say this with my kids too. Like, I just want you to find your own true north and follow that and make yourself happy. And if something's not making you happy or it's not fulfilling, then take a step back and consider that and see, see what else you could add to that or change. I love that. Can I ask you a little advice about a certain specific circumstance? Okay. So like you, I have a lot of tabs open in my professional life, <laughs> a lot of different projects going on. And on your screen too. And on I my screen it. everywhere, right? <laughs> um, thoughts in my mind, everything. But one of my work projects is a kids yoga teacher training. And mm. so it's a weekend training and we come into a yoga studio. There's a group of people that don't typically don't know each other and that I don't know. And they do come with valuable experiences. You know, some are educators and some are yoga instructors and adult yoga instructors and some are clinicians. There's a whole wide variety of experiences and levels of expertise. And so I completely resonate with what you were saying about respecting that everybody has valuable insight. And sometimes (laughs) they want to share that in a way that doesn't necessarily fit with the aim of the content that I'm being paid to deliver during that time. Or, you know, I respect that they have their perspective, but it sometimes doesn't fit with the perspective that I'm coming to share. And so Mm -hmm. it's something I'm learning to get better at is to take a moment and acknowledge what they're saying, but also I do need to get redirected so that it doesn't, that that's not the message I'm giving to the other people because it may be something that I don't agree with. And so I'm curious in your current work where you similarly have people coming together to experience what you have brought and to hear your perspective, if if you have had any circumstances where you've had to like redirect the conversation or stop someone's messaging that you think might be a detriment to the direction you want to head. And so I'm just curious, you have so much leadership experience, like how do you navigate those moments? Well, first of all, not all ideas are always 
workable, right? And and knowing that comes with judgment, but also really knowing your mission or your plan for the day. And sometimes it's just as simple as listening to someone and then saying, thank you for sharing that. I'll take it under consideration. Or just reminding people, oh, we're here to do this and this. Mm -hmm. And we have a sharing circle. In my walks, for example, I have a sharing circle after every invitation. Oh, wonderful. You and I can discuss that more deeply after the walk, Mm -hmm. or we can discuss that after class, or, you know, that's great. Can you send me an email with more information or something? Just, Just so they can feel heard, but also sometimes... And my walks were supposed to be silent and sometimes it's just impossible, especially if it's like a group of gal pals or people with similar experiences. And and it's easier for me to go with the flow Mm -hmm. on that and let it be what it's going to be. But, you know, there are times where I have to just give a signal and say, thank you, we're going to proceed or thank you, you know, we'll give that some consideration or you know, do the, the show of thank you. I've, I've heard you just, you know, a little nod to your head, hand over your heart space and, and then you move on. I love it. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, or just take a deep breath, nod to them and move on to the next topic or find like, oh, there's a segue into this. And just sometimes you just have to keep bringing it back. Yeah. And in publishing, I would get calls from readers and advertisers and everyone. And there were lots of great ideas for sure with my belief that ideas come from everywhere, but sometimes things just didn't quite fit. And, you know, I would have to be honest with people and say, I'm sorry, thanks for sharing the idea, but that doesn't quite fit with Mm -hmm. the mission of the magazine or our protocols and the way that we work through things, you know, it's not pay to play or, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. like, uh, you can't pay me to write a story about you, but you could buy an ad right. <laughs> in the next couple issues, right? Yeah. And no, I'm not sending that to you to read and approve and rewrite. That's just uh, not what, that's just not good journalism. So acknowledge and move on. Okay. That is very sound advice. Is that helpful at all? It, it really is because I think especially as women, we want to accommodate and we want to honor and we do know and respect and we're empathetic a lot of times, not everybody, but you know, right. a lot of times it, it feels quote mean yeah. to do that redirecting, yeah. but I, your, your idea of just sort of like diffusing the energy out of that moment, I, I, I'm going to take that with me. So thank you for, thank you for that. Yeah. So if yeah. we back up even before your very unique career began, what was young Kate? Do any examples come to mind of how you gravitated towards leadership as a child, or was this more of an adult development? No, I, well, (laughs) let me think about that. Like in high school, I was a class president and, you know, some of that stuff. I always felt drawn to leadership roles. You know, I, I don't need to run everything. I don't need to rule things. It's not my way or the highway, but just the ability to take something and steer it and engage with people. I've always been an enthusiastic person and I like to get behind things. And, you know, sometimes things land in your lap because nobody (laughs) else, nobody else wants to step up, but it it needs to be done. So yeah, I think, I think I gravitated toward that when it was things that I was passionate about or cared about deeply or had an interest in, then I would step in and help take things further. And even in my non-professional world, I, 
find that I like to share my ideas. And if there's something that I can do, like, you know, a little side project or a little thing that I can take on to help get things done or bring more to the situation or the project, um, I find myself doing that a lot. I don't know if that annoys people sometimes, maybe, but yeah. And I just, when I see something that needs to be done, I... I like to step in and do it. I'm a little bit competitive too, (laughs) not necessarily with other people, it's more with myself and am I delivering the best thing I can do? And I just love the energy of things. Like if I can get excited about something and lean into it, I'm going to be all in and um, just go for it and do as much as I can to help or make sure things are you know, moving forward. And then that just translated into, you know, being active in clubs and things in college and climbing the the ladder in my work and even doing things like the PTO. I was at my kid's school. I was, that was really important to me and the ability to communicate with people and bring more people into the conversation and diverse people and really try to under, understand each other and, and how to serve each other and promote things that would help families that just... That became a big thing, and and I was on the superintendent's face committee and of parents that would come and meet and and cool. stay in the loop with what was going on. So yeah, I can't if something needs to be done, I, just, I can't help it. I just yeah, I'm just drawn to it, and then I just want to do something to further it. So. Well, with this podcast, you're in good company because that is basically the answer that everybody gives is like, well, I don't know, not really. Oh, actually, and this, and this, and this, and this, and this, and this, and this. So so I completely get it. So you've had a lot of success and you've done a lot of really cool things. I'm curious if there are any leadership lessons that you have learned the hard way. Yeah. You know, you do learn that not everyone thinks the same way as you or has the same enthusiasm about ideas. So you have to learn how to make an argument. And I don't mean like a fight. The true meaning of argument is a discussion and you have to really come to know the facts, the data and the benefit and how to present your case to various audiences. And that that kind of comes naturally with journalism I and mean, good writers and editors can really write about most anything. Managing people. All the publications, aside from the first one I worked at, Milwaukee Magazine, that was owned by Quad Graphics, so big corporation. Mm. So we had resources like HR and legal and all that kind of stuff. But I've worked at independently owned publications, and there's no HR. There's no legal. So a lot of it was navigating that on my own, doing some research, going to workshops like copyright law workshops. I was in charge of making sure we didn't violate copyrights and that our copyright wasn't violated either. And then just working with dynamics of two or three or four or five different individuals who have very different communication styles, different opinions, and different ways of expressing that. And it takes skill working with people and every person is different. So every staff or contributor you work with is different. There's no really hard and fast Mm -hmm. rule, but I wish I had known about the DISC assessments and some of the personality and communication style assessments much earlier. It probably would have helped me understand my own leadership style much sooner and really lean into the strengths of that and then be able to work on the things that would make communicating or leading 
difficult, things that I could work on and really grow in. And then understanding that for each of my staff members, I mean, that it's fascinating. It's so fascinating. And then understanding how people like to receive information, whether it's positive or constructive, just how people are and crafting your message that way in a way that they can digest the information and whether it's grow from it or move on or make it into something really amazing. That would have been great because it also would have given me more confidence. I was a pretty young leader to be stepping in the, in the leadership role and also learning that sometimes the buck's got to stop with someone and it was me and how to say no, but firmly and gracefully rather than you know, feeling like, oh, okay, I got to take this all into consideration. So I think just having more tools and I I think probably some management things. I was a literature major. I did tons of writing and editing. I did tons of journalism classes as well. And you get promoted up through the world and you become the managing editor and suddenly you have budgets and contracts (laughs) and all that kind of stuff. And I always thought, you know, that would have been something good as a class, like managing a publication, whether someone goes into ad sales or publishing or the editorial side of things, just to, you know, you figure it out and you ask for help along the way. But it, it just would have been nice because I'm a word person. I'm not a numbers person so much, but that was a skill that I cultivated and came with my work. But just thinking of those things that may have made me more confident and willing to take more risks as a younger leader. Yeah, I love it. Those are all really great points. As we finish up, I have a few more rapid fire questions to ask you. Sure. Uh, does anyone come to mind that you could shout out who believed in your leadership skills or your ability to lead uh, that contributed to being where you are now? I would say my family, for sure. My parents, my aunts and uncles, my grandparents, everyone was a cheerleader. Mm-hmm. Just like, yeah, go for it. Try it. Early in my career, I had some great managing editors and senior editors and editors-in-chief who helped me with my writing, showed me how you can take things to the next level, would mentor me, would say, hey, come out on this this story with me, as you know, how we do investigative journalism like this on this particular angle. So I had a lot of mentors along the way. Some of my publishers, Howard and Nancy Mead, were just fantastic, lovely people and had been in the industry for a really long time and had a lot of knowledge to impart about the topics, about the people in the state, about who knew what and mm-hmm. who to reach out to. And and that's a big part of the job as a writer and editor, like knowing where to find information. And then at Bravo Magazine, Michelle and Brad were so supportive and enthusiastic and brought me on as a member of their team too in the leadership role and bigger picture vision for the publication. And I will say my family, Right now, my kids, my husband are very supportive of my endeavors and my friends. Like I, I couldn't do anything without my friends and their support or their feedback. I'm a very social person and I have a lot of friends and I value them each deeply for so many different reasons. And, you know, having that, that internal sort of board of cheerleaders, people who support you no matter what, that 
that has really buoyed me up and in a lot of times and helped push me forward. Like, well, why not? Why wouldn't you try that? Just see what happens. Just see what happens. Don't be afraid. You can always fix it or shift, right? Yeah. It's not, it's not a straight linear path things. It's information and shifting and knowing who you are and being true to that. And, you know, there's nothing like gal pals to support that. So true. It's so true. <laughs> okay. A couple more questions. Personally, do you have one tool or strategy that you use to stay organized and effective in your busy life with lots of tabs open? <laughs> I take notes, like copious notes. I do that when I'm talking to people, just because that's, you know, my journalistic habit, but like you can see, I have a book full of to-do lists. Yeah, my to-do list changes every day. I mean, I always have some like long-term things that I'll get to at some point, but don't want to forget about them. And then I try to organize by like, okay, what really needs to get done today? What would be great to get done today, but it's okay if it's tomorrow or you know later in the week. And I, I find I have to do that. When I was at Bravo, I it drove my publisher's crazy. I, I organized on post-it notes and oh. then we had someone come in and talk to us about organization and she organized by post-it <laughs> notes. So I was like, see, it's a thing. It's a thing. It's, you know, I know my desk is covered, but then you could move things around and change the priorities and have different color post-it notes for different things. But I like the opportunity to write things down because then I don't have to keep reminding myself and keep my like rational brain going over and over and over that list. And I can focus on other things and decision-making that needs to be done. But the sense of being able to cross something off visually, even if it's just, Oh, I vacuumed up the dust bunnies, you know, whatever it is, it's like, it's something that I did today and it helps me see my day. And then it also helps me see how to better organize my day or my priorities. So yeah, I do that. I did a lot of spreadsheets with organizing. I still do that. Things that need to be done or things that are in progress. Asana is a really great tool. And I know there's lots of others Mm -hmm. out there, but that one is just really super easy to use. So it doesn't take up like a ton of brain power and frustration to figure it out. And my way is if it's not easy and it doesn't flow, then it's not the right Mm. thing. So also just paying attention to that as I organize myself and my priorities and projects. Well, I love that even down to your way of organizing, you really follow your intuition. You brought that up at the beginning of the conversation. You're finishing with it. I love it so much. You really practice what you preach, so to speak. And that's so admirable. And I'm so incredibly grateful that you talked with me today, Kate. Do you have anything else that you want to let the listeners know before we um, sign off? I'll definitely link everything in the show notes. Any other notes that you want to share? I will just share, first of all, that I'm deeply grateful to you for inviting me to have this conversation with you. I I appreciate it and it's just been delightful. But that is also a little nugget I would share. Finding things to be grateful for every day in every little project, whether it's like, oh, the, I don't have any more dust bunnies or whether it's something bigger and deeper than that is like acknowledging the work, the person, the project, and the positive things that have come out for it and offering some gratitude and then notice what that reflects back to you. Just, you know, notice, really, really notice. Um, Yeah. And then just, you can catch up with me. You know, I have a website where you can reach me, whether it's for editorial consulting 
or for finding out what's going on with my forest bathing walks or scheduling something. Love it. Thank you so much. I am also very grateful that we shared this time. I'm so happy that I finally got to meet you. I appreciated all of your wisdom and I know our listeners will too. Thank you listeners. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back next time with another intriguing interview. This is a message for the moms out there who are intrigued with the idea of starting a business. Those of you who have had an idea floating around in your mind. I'm here to tell you that you can make entrepreneurship a reality in a way that fits into your family life. It really is possible with the right guidance. I'm Jamie Gale, founder of Boss Mama, and I have been exactly where you are. Over the past decade plus of owning a growing business that I love, along with a family that I love, I have learned important lessons and I'm sharing them with you. There are a few things that you need to know before you get started, and I've put together a free resource specifically for moms like you. You don't need to have all the answers right now, and you certainly don't have to do it alone. Click the link in our show notes to download the free guide and take the first steps towards making that carpool mileage brainstorm a thriving reality. Let's get the fire started in your business today. Grab your free guide in our show notes. Follow the Leaders is produced by Lit Path Studios and music is by Shane Ivers. You can hear more about this show and all the other podcasts at Lit Path Studios by going to www.litpathstudios.com.